Welcome to The Living Classroom, where we explore the daily living of three-stream Anglicanism. I'm your host, Alan Hughes. Welcome to The Living Classroom Podcast. I'm here today with Philip Jones, the lead bishop of the Anglican Mission in America. Philip uh, currently serves at All Saints Dallas, where he's been there 10 years, married to Claudia with seven kids. And today we've asked him to come in to talk to us a little bit about three-stream Anglican worship and how to do it in a way that attracts people, keeps people, and really ministers to them. So, Philip, thank you. First of all, welcome. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you, Alan. Look forward to our time together. Well, tell us, just give us an overall big picture, uh, your understanding of what this, what does that even mean? What is three-stream Anglican worship and why is it so important? Yeah, I think uh, the way I oftentimes explain it uh, is the three streams, the spirit, the scriptures, the sacrament, and um, in the big picture of things. And uh, if um, so many different ways to worship. But what we want is that people can worship where they're being transformed uh, to where they're experiencing the presence of God, but doing it in such a way that, that, that there's a, a rhythm to it, and yet you can, uh, God's going to interrupt that rhythm from time to time. So, for example, the sacramental life or the liturgical life, uh, we're finding lots of people are being drawn to that because there's rhythm to it, there's history to it, um, and uh, there's a rule of life to it in a way. There's a certain certain way you, you're going to confess you're going to praise god you're going to hear scripture and you're going to have communion uh the second thing is of course scripture uh and i mean that's the foundation of all that we have that uh, we have a revealed faith and scripture is what reveals who god is and who christ is and the holy spirit and then the third part of of course is the holy spirit uh and that's what's been seems to be wherever i've been whether it's el paso texas or little rock arkansas or dallas texas the road of the holy spirit is something that that people are drawn to, uh, but they're, and they're curious about it. Uh, but they're also a little, you know, frightened about it as well because they haven't learned as much about it. So there's a way to teach that, to operate that within our worship that gives people a sense of expectation. Uh, something's going to happen, but a sense of trust as well. So that's how we. That's good. A blending of the liturgy with the power of the Spirit. That's all grounded in the Word. Yep. And your experience is. As you live that out, it really does connect with people in a way that transforms them. It really does. You never know. Uh, in the South, where I've been, obviously, uh, in, in my ministry, uh, people come from Bible churches. They come from evangelical churches. Uh, some come from charismatic churches. And they're all looking for, for a part of that whole trilogy that we're talking about. Uh, some people may be just really drawn to the liturgy, but they don't know much about the Holy Spirit. And likewise, some people are really drawn to the spiritual part of it, but, but they don't know much about the liturgy, and they like that, and, and obviously scripture. So it all blends together. Yeah, I think it's, it's an amazing thing. And I've, I've been to All Saints Dallas. I've been to Little Rock, Arkansas, when you've done it, and uh, always been impressed, always felt the spirit moving and um, thought, hey, I'm home. I'm in the right place. So, well, let me ask you, let me switch topics and just say, you know, as we, as we think about this, what scriptures come to mind? How has, whether the life of Jesus or the words of scripture, how has that informed your understanding of what worship looks like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, whatever we do, we wouldn't do it in such a way that people, 
uh, are getting out of the boat and experiencing something about God in their life. Because I really believe in, in everybody's heart, there's that hope, there's that uh, uh, a, a call to live a life of a naturally supernatural life. All right. So with that, I would go to the scriptures. One of the scriptures I go to is walking on water. It was the scripture for last Sunday uh, in Matthew chapter 14, I think, uh, where, uh, you know, it's four, four in the morning. Peter's in the boat. There's Jesus walking on water. And, and, uh, uh, and then Peter uh, gets out of the boat. All right. So uh, there's a great John Orper wrote a great book with a great title. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. And the, and the boat to me kind of represents the church, right? And then and then uh, there's you know it's rough seas, it's high wind, it's dark, and all that, uh, which is what life is pretty much like all the time, especially right now in our world. But there's that call to Jesus to get out and and to walk on uh, the chaos of the waters and, and those kinds of things, and and just look keeping their eyes focused on Jesus, which is what Peter does for a while. And then he looks down and he says, well, the waves are high. <laughs> the wind is strong and it is dark out of here. Where am I going? And, and uh, Jesus said, look at me. Look at, follow me. And, and uh, so that, that informs just, I think, a, a biblical background of what God wants from us and what we actually can do, living that natural, supernatural life. So in the service, there's a time where I'm being, as a, as a uh, congregant, I'm being asked to step out of the boat in this service. It's yeah, not yeah. just an idea. There is actually something that I'm doing that is say, Hey, I'm, I'm taking a step towards Jesus. Bid me come to you or whatever. And I'm doing something. So there's a response. Yeah. A response. Uh, yeah. So there, there's a couple of ways where there's several practical ways that we do that. First of all, we leave moments of silence. So we might be, um, after confession or, or, um, after the, first couple of set of worship songs it is leaving a moment of silence and and uh that 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 disrupts people's normal way of you know just being talked at or doing all the talking uh no no there's a you know maybe 10 15 seconds it may feel like eternity uh or um after a sermon it doesn't have to be the sermon time it could be after communion it could be at any time calling for a response that you know if the lord is whatever your topic may be that you're speaking on that day. Um, uh, if you feel the Lord is calling you to step out of the boat in a certain way, let's use that example. Then I'm going to ask you to come forward and, and uh, that I don't, you know, don't say anything right now. Just come forward and we're the clergy here. will lay hands upon you and we just say a simple prayer to get out of the boat. You know, so you're not having to say a bunch of stuff and the service lasts longer than it should. It's just a moment of response. Right. That's and, good. Yeah. That's good. I love that. Any any other scriptures come to your mind that you think would be good? Well, um, there's so many. I would take the story of the woman at the well because, uh, you know, obviously things are being peeled back in her life uh, where uh, and the Lord's meeting her uh, and loving her at every moment where the stuff is being peeled back in her life. And we all come into to the church with with uh, layers of 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 wrong ways that we uh, find our identity. And so like a surgeon, Jesus wants to peel those things back so that we can wor worship him in spirit and in truth. And so uh, this isn't just all about experience. Uh, the, the truth of scripture, the truth of who God is, the truth of who Christ is, the truth of the Holy Spirit, 
and, and being honest with ourselves, the truth of that. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. There'll be a time you will worship in spirit and in truth. So uh, that scripture has meant a lot to me. Yeah, she certainly convicted in her you know, life and he doesn't let that go. But that leads to that that sort of seminal line. I want people to worship me in spirit and truth and not putting on a mask or putting on a parade. Yeah, so the big water jar, if you notice when she leaves the scene, she leaves the water jar behind. And that water jar, to me, kind of represents that's been her way of filling herself up. Just go and get water at noon. And now she's being filled up in a whole different way. And that's what we want people to have and to experience. So if someone comes to an effective Anglican three-stream service, they're, they're leaving those water jars behind and they're yeah. walking away saying, yeah. hey, I got the living water. This yeah. is, wow, it's different. I've come and I've been changed. And they're coming with expectation. That's another thing we talk a lot about is, is when you come here to All Saints, you know, we want you to come with expectation. Um, uh, not you depending all upon the preacher to do everything or, or, or depending upon anyone or the music to be exactly the way you want it and all that kind of thing. Um, I remember when this uh, one couple started coming early on and they since have moved to Colorado, but he, but before he left, he told me, he said, you know, I'm really going to miss all saints because I never knew what to expect <laughs> when we meet on Sunday morning. And there was always something, some way God was showing up or doing something, whatever. So um, anyway, well, let me push this on. I mean, and this is really a practical question. Um, we have, you know, a lot of clergy who have been Anglicans for a while, but we also have a lot of clergy that are moving towards Anglicanism. And there is a love of the liturgy. And um, I think certainly for me, um, and I would imagine for others, there's this sense that our job is to do the liturgy, maybe just as it is, um, and we're maybe cautious to add something. I mean, you were saying we'll add some silence. Okay, well, that doesn't say I can't do it, but maybe you're adding more, you know, hey, come up after the sermon and get prayed for. Well, where is that in the liturgy? Um, just speak a little bit practically about, you know, to the clergy, like how does that liturgy work? Is it is it supposed to be the minutes of what happens or is yeah. it more of an outline? How, how does yeah. that work and how like do you, you? I like the way you said that. I see it more as, as an outline. That, that provides bumpers and, uh, and with that outline, with that form and that shape, it's a great shape. You got the word of God and communion. Uh, and within the word of God, there's, there's things that we do. You don't have to do all of it. You could do it different ways. And, and, and then you have communion uh, and those kinds of things. And so there's that sense of, uh, of uh, I like having the form and the shape so that I can go outside of it at times or that could push the boundaries of it. I'm not, I'm not pushing the boundaries of the theological significance of the shape, but just pushing the boundaries of what we always do. We're going to do something a little different this time. That's what makes the liturgy so important, so real, is that, wow, we've always done this, or the, you know, for the past six months we've already said confession here. Then he moved confession to another part of the service, for example, or moved the peace to another part of the service, or whatever it may be, so that you can, you can move within those kind of, uh, that outline, and that's what, uh, to me, that's what gives it so much importance because of the way that you can you can use it and uh, good. change it around. Yeah, there's there's that freedom with the fences. I hear yeah. yeah. we talked about in the mission for a long time. Well, um, tell us a little bit more. Just if I'm a clergy person and I say I believe what you're saying, Philip, and I'd like to move in that direction. Um, what are some practical things that you could recommend, or what are some of the things that you had to 
yeah. uh, learn or overcome or what, what can I do to start moving in that direction? Because as I hear it, I say, yeah, I want that. Um, do, how, what, what I need to do? It all begins really uh, with your own personal spiritual life. Um, so I want to emphasize again to anybody who's, who's in the mission or who's looking for this type of uh, uh, environment is to begin with honest prayer, daily prayer before the Lord, examination of your conscience, uh, uh, reading scripture, memorizing scripture, uh, and just being honest before the Lord with your own uh, humility. Um, and so that you're doing your business with the Lord that's honest and real and, and, uh, and you lay it out there. So that's, that's where it always begins and continues. And then, um, it's uh, less, it's less technique. Yeah. It is character. It's not, Oh, let me exactly. learn how to get the Holy yeah. spirit here. And like so I, I think what, or something. Yeah. Out of that will come your own care, your own transparency and honesty and authenticity. I'm telling you, the people are looking in our country. They're looking for authenticity and, and, and transparency. They will know, uh, is this guy real or is he uh, trying to climb a ladder or is he trying to be a, uh, some kind of star or some kind of, uh, uh, you know, celebration, celebratory star or whatever. People want to know that it's real to you, what it, that, that, that it's working in your life and that you've got issues and that you're working with as well. So there's an appropriate transparency. There's an inappropriate transparency too, but, but there's an appropriate transparency you want to have with the people in your talking and sharing and your sermons and all those kinds of things. Um, and, uh, oh, another thing that I would say is uh, uh, making it user-friendly in a way. So having fun with uh, as you go through the service. I don't mean having fun, making fun of the service, but I mean uh, having a joyful uh, uh countenance about you um and there's time to lament there's time to grieve there's time to cry uh but but a relaxed formality is a word i use a lot uh so that there's a formality to it but but it's, it's relaxed we're not like trying to dot every i and cross every t about how you do the liturgy or something like that and and uh uh and, and when people push on that then they see this guy you know it's real uh, as i said before the greatest medium we have to exchange, a medium of exchange is trust. They've got to be able to trust you. And, and uh, so they're going to be looking at, at that, and how honest you're being with them as well. It, yeah. What I hear you saying is you don't have to take yourself too seriously. You take God seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. You'd be able to laugh at yourself and uh, have a joy. Exactly. About it. And then I, I'm waiting out there. I mean, this is technique, but you know, before the service starts, I'm waiting out there in front. I got my robes on. I've said my prayers. We met with the other clergy on staff, and we're welcoming people as they come in. Uh, and then when they go out, we're right there when they go out. And so uh, I just love seeing the people. And then you can recognize, you know, maybe you haven't talked to someone in a while, or you ask about someone's child or someone's job or whatever. You can't do it with everybody, but they know that you're there. You're available. That's what one person on my staff said. The greatest thing about you, Philip, is you're available. Uh, not that you're the smartest guy in the world, you always have the answers, but you're available. So, I don't know. That seems that's good. good. No, that's really good. Let me uh, follow up on one of those, one of the things you were talking about, like, yeah, we need to grow in our character and our personal formation, but is there something to technique? You know, you mentioned doing things after, um, you know, communion or after the sermon or, you know, during the peace. There are certain moments where where did you learn or are you learning 
some of that part of, you know, your thinking, how do you get to a place where you're comfortable saying, I think this is a good time to do this. I mean, what does that look like? What is yeah. your training? Well, Hey, you are learning. I, I'm, uh, listen, I'm still learning. Uh, uh, Dave Lardy, my associate, uh, he, he's come into our church. He has a strong charismatic background, church of England background as well. And church of Canada and the church of Canada. So he has all that kind of with him. And I've learned a lot from him, uh, about, about how you can respond and, and allow that kind of response. And, uh, uh, and as I hear other people or talk to other people, just, just always learning, learning, uh, new ways of, of making it very present, uh, in, in people's lives. So, uh, having that, uh, uh, teachable spirit, you know, we talk about that a lot, being faithful, available and teachable that, but, uh, just that, that I, I do one thing I think I do have is a teachable spirit. Uh, obviously not about the orthodoxy of the faith and all that, but more just about Holy Spirit, show me, you know, there's, there, and there's places I wish I could go more that I don't. I wish, I wish I had more of a, you know, words of prophecy. I don't have that as much as, as others do. Uh, I can do words of encouragement pretty easily and I can pray for people. And so another where I've learned a lot of are these things called the spiritual cohorts. We talked about that last October at the uh, living classroom. Right. Novo, N-O-V-O, Novo, look it up online. But uh, what's been really neat is they presented this way of praying and this way of expectation, most of which we taught uh, before, but they really have it organized in a way uh, where you can really understand it and grab onto that. So continuing to learn from other people and uh, uh, having that uh, attitude really helps. So you're watching other people doing it. You're You're continuing to learn. And all the while, you're willing to take those steps of faith within the service to kind of say, Holy Spirit, come and show up and do what you're called to do. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it, you know, sometimes we go straight through the service and there's no particular time of response or there's no there's always some time of silence. I, I can't I want to emphasize that even 10 seconds of silence. It, it, and you ask the Holy Spirit to come and I'll and I'll have the people repeat with me. Now, everybody say, come, Holy Spirit. They say, come, Holy Spirit. If something just happens right there, you could just, it's tangible. And you wait 10 seconds, which may seem like 30 minutes. But all of a sudden, you've reset the pace of what's going on so that you know, you're really present to the Lord. And, and, and they know that you mean it when you're leading with that way. And, and they know they must, something's happening because they've stopped and they prayed that prayer. And they've waited in silence for a little bit. It really makes a difference. That's great. So if I'm, and this is very practical. So are you saying to me, if I'm an Anglican clergy person, I have a church here now that I'm interim at it in Pauly's Island. Are you encouraging me to, to, to take some of these steps to, to, if, if I don't feel competent, are you saying, Hey, come learn for me first? What, I mean, can I just go out and try it? Am I, you know, am I equipped yet? How do I know? Yeah. I think that's, you know, I think that's the question a lot of people are asking, like, how do I know when I'm ready, you know, sort of for prime time to take some of these steps? What if I blow it? What if I mess up? What, you know, I think there's some of that thought going on. Uh, yeah. It's a, obviously, A, it's a both hand. I mean, yeah, try it and B, you know, talk to someone before and say, what do you think about doing this? And have you ever done it this way or something like that? Uh, and again, it's not about the technique per se. It's about people experiencing that presence, Right. So, you know, it, it, you try it, but also you ask questions about it. I know one of our pastors who really has grown in the Holy Spirit, 
the way he presents it now is a whole lot different than it did two or three years ago when it was all new to him. Uh, he got some counsel from some uh, peers and, and he asked for it and, and he responded to it and it's, you know, it made, made a big difference. Um, so yeah, I get both answered. Alan, don't, don't just go wing it and try it and just think it's good. But at the same time, you know, learn and ask questions, but do go and take a step of faith and try to work it in and then come back the and boat. learn. And yeah, <laughs> get out of the boat, walk on water, get out of the boat. I love it. All right. Well, as we close, um, what I'd like to always do in the living classroom is to say, what are your closing thoughts? What's your last words of, uh, encouragement or caution or whatever, what are your, the last thing that you would love to, us to be thinking about on this topic? Well, first of all, finding people that can lead and live out a three stream Anglican church is rare. It, it, it's just, it really is. I mean, I've gone to lots of churches and, and yet there's such a power in those three streams coming together. If it's all about the spirit, it can get wacky. If it's all about the scriptures, it can get legalistic. And if it's all about the liturgy, it can get fussy. So uh, finding uh, and, and, and being willing to learn and, uh, and those kinds of things and having that own personal life where those three streams working together, they really do create a river of life. And people, even if they don't come back to our church or they leave our church or they don't like me or whatever, they will say, I experienced something every time i came into worship for example there's one lady uh uh she's a black lady that moved to she lives in florida now she wanted me to know that philip when i was at all saints i always experienced the openness and invitation i always experienced the power of the spirit as a person of color i i I had wished that you might have had more people like that on staff uh or up front but that didn't stop me from from really experiencing something well, she taught me something. I mean, I know that as well, that we need to have right. more people of color. But at the same time, she had a, a profound, wonderful experience. And so she wasn't uh, being negative at all. So uh, my closing thoughts are this three-string thing. Uh, people are writing about it now. There's, I mean, I've seen some books with titles about it. It's something that I've lived out over 30 years, and I've learned a lot. Uh, so, I mean, it just all kind of came together, really, in a ministry in El Paso, a wonderful church, Episcopal church there. And then taking it from there to Little Rock to Dallas, uh, uh, it, it's really been life-giving. Thank you so much, Philip, and thank you guys for joining us today on The Living Classroom. Thank you for joining us today in The Living Classroom. For more information about The Living Classroom community, please visit us at thelivingclassroom.org. Until next time, blessings. Blessings.